Hey there, welcome to the Bearded and Nerdy Podcast, your home for news and reviews for some of the biggest events in superhero culture. We're talking movies, TV shows, comics, conventions, you name it, I got it. I am your host, Michael Georgie, and we are back, and we are going to start getting more consistent with the content now that we've got more time. We're going to try to pump these podcasts out, and finally, after a long break since like April, we've got Duncan Miller back with us. Duncan, say hi to the people. Hello, people. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad especially to be back for this particular podcast. Yes, this one is good. And we're going back to the same old routine. I know in the last podcast, I said that um, we finally were able to break out of our comfort zone a little bit and discuss like our convention talk. Well, this time we've got something that just couldn't be ignored. You know, when I when we do the movie reviews, we get it. You know, movie reviews are everywhere. But sometimes a movie comes out that's just deserves a review. And this is one of them. So obviously we've got a routine before we get into what we're going to be talking about today. And of course, you know what we will be talking about if you can read and have read the title. So we are going to be talking about first what we've been into this week. So. And of course, our what we've been into this week covers anything pop culture, you know, movies, television that might exist outside of the superhero realm. It can be within. There's no issue with that. But we like to express that we like to expand our boundaries a little bit, our threshold for what we like and what we like to get out of pop culture. So, Duncan, what have you been into this week? Right. So, uh <clears throat> This week, I have been so tangentially related to superhero stuff. I've been reading the comic series Outer Darkness. Oh, that's right. So I think I briefly mentioned this to you. Um, it's Image Comics, uh, who do superhero stuff, but a lot of their current titles are various other things. So this is a like cosmic sci-fi horror comic series, kind of Star trek but if everything sucked and the very act of space travel involved blood sacrifices and stuff like that, oh, rad. it's very cool. It's right up my alley. I love sci-fi horror stuff. And uh, that has occupied a lot of my time reading the trade paperback like over and over this week. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. And you had mentioned that. And where, do you, where did you go to uh, get that? I went to Coliseum of Comics up on Bruce B. Downs. Over down here in and, Tampa. Yeah, down in Tampa. And a friend had set it aside for me who works there. Coliseum Comics off of Bruce B. Downs. I've been looking for a new place. Right. One edition, so that'll be a place I absolutely have to check out because there's a couple issues on my list that I need to pick up. So that's good. That's good. So for me, I have been getting... I've discussed this before and we're back in it again. We're back into the cosplay stuff because upcoming in uh, a week from tomorrow, I am going to be at Tampa Bay Comic Con, uh, which is a convention that's pretty near and dear. I love it. It's smaller. It's not as Hollywood, but the guests on this one are incredibly strong. So and amongst those guests um, are is uh, Peter David who, in addition to writing a lot of the stuff, he's actually a notable TV writer as well, yeah. writing things like Ben 10 Alien Force, um, but also um, Spider in terms of the comics, he's done great stuff with Wolverine, uh, Spider-Man 2099, he did a bunch yes. on. Yes, he did. And my favorite, though, he created my favorite version of Aquaman. So I thought it would be really... No surprises there. Yeah, no surprises there. And um, I figured it would be really, really cool to and f uh, for to going back he is the comic book writer that cut off aquaman's hand and gave him the harpoon hand which is something that you see uh, not only in uh the, that comic run mm -hmm. but after uh aquaman only had a one hand for like 10 years after that comic was written he's also that that carried into the justice league unlimited series yes. <laughs> which was my introduction to that character so I decided to recreate in cosplay form that version of Aquaman and I wanted to get a picture with him and uh, in my garb. So I've been working a lot on that. Did the first test run yesterday and I think it turned out all right. So we're going to go ahead and put that stuff away until 
the the con. Of course, I'm sure Brad and I will be discussing Tampa Bay Comic Con the second that's done because, of course, Brad's going to be there with me as my Superman. So hopefully we run into a couple other league members. It's going to be a good time. All right. So now that we've kind of gotten into our what we've been into this week, there's other there's other things that have been happening this week. And, of course, the biggest one being we've got lots of superhero news. Right. And a ton. not just – and it's not like a new actor for a minor role. It's not like something's been leaked. We got confirmations for the next phase of Marvel movies. Right. We could probably do a whole podcast just on that. And so I what th- are the high points? Yeah, and we're what going are the high to, points? And, and plot twist, I'm pretty sure we're going to. Probably, Because yes. I have some serious <laughs> thoughts on these. Right. Um. So on our high points here, we've got uh, not only has Marvel announced a couple movies, um, the biggest one I'm thinking is probably going to be Thor Love and Thunder, right? which is going to be an adaptation of the Mighty Thor run that came out back in 2015, right? Was it 2015? It wasn't too long ago. I read it. Like, yeah, I, uh, I know we talked about it. It must have been somewhere between, I was probably 2016, 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Around there. It, it's still going. Um so yeah, we got Thor: Love and Thunder. So our next Thor movie. So he's one of the only ones of the original six that is still going. Yeah. So we got no more Iron Man, no more Captain America, but we still got Thor going strong. Um, we got our full announcement for our new Doctor Strange. Yes. Which is going to be awesome, and it looks like based on uh based on what we we know about it, it's going to be discussing some of that multiverse stuff mm-hmm. that uh, was alluded to over in Endgame. Which is gonna be cool. We have a Blade movie. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm <laughs> so gonna, excited for that. And I know they're gonna they're gonna do that justice because I mean I love the the, the original with that with who was that Wesley Snipes? Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah, and it was awesome. So of course, I'm yeah. super super stoked to see the new adaptation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that should be super super exciting. And then of course, the and there's other movies that have been announced. I think we've got our Black Widow movie. Right. Right. Um, we have. Di- a, se- a whole run of series, a bunch of new series that's going to be mm-hmm. featured on the Disney Plus program, um, which is what we kind of expected. We knew that there was that Disney Plus was going to be our new home for all of Marvel. And, you know, you begin to wonder, are people really going to subscribe to Disney Plus just to get Marvel movies? And After what we see? Yes. Yes, <laughs> people will. And I'm not the type of guy to buy a bunch of subscriptions to things. But now... <laughs> Um, I, I feel you. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of we got a bunch of um, series based off of pre-existing Marvel characters. We've got the series WandaVision, which you can probably guess it's about Scarlet Witch and Vision. We've got our Hawkeye series, mm-hmm. which is I'm super stoked for because I mean Jeremy Renner plays a very very compelling Hawkeye, and you become very curious at how that adaptation of Hawkeye came to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a lot of what's on the surface, but as when we got into the MCU, that version of Hawkeye, he was more towards the end of his rope because by the by a couple by a couple movies in, he had essentially retired. So mm-hmm. I want to see what his life was like before. Right. Um. We've got oh my god, we got of course Winter Soldier, Captain right, Falcon, right. which is going to be crazy because now we know uh, Captain Falcon. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Um. But. I'm looking forward to seeing how Falcon takes on his new role. Yeah. Uh, Logan, I'm looking forward to seeing him and Bucky. Yes. Like, that's going to be bouncing off each other. That's a great dynamic, I think. And oh, of yeah. course, we've got what else? We've got oh Loki. Right. Right. Loki's going to be coming out, which is going to be a fan favorite. I'm sure it will be. Tom Hiddleston has always struck a chord with the crowds. And then the series. What if? Which is super interesting. Right. That that's one animated, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very, that very, one seems in some ways, the most interesting That's to me. That's the most compelling to me, I believe. That's the one I'm most excited for. Yeah, so of course, we're going to be discussing all that oh, at yeah. length um, in the future. Um, Marvel just did us a huge favor and gave us a bunch of content. So right. we are going to be discussing that. All right, so now into the bread and butter of the podcast. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. It's it's me and Georgie. You know that there's going to be spoilers. We always fail to acknowledge that there will be spoilers. We did this for Endgame because spoilers were a big deal. But we, we will spoil this for you. Also, it's been out for weeks. So right. at this point, there's if we're not getting it to you, somebody else has. But we're looking forward to discussing it. So 
Today we're going to be discussing our review of Spider-Man Far From Home. And this is exciting for a couple reasons. One, spoiler alert, we liked this movie. We liked it a lot. So, But also, Duncan and I did not see this movie together. Which is, you know, we see a lot of these movies together. Or at least we discuss them at length right after we see them. Right. We did not do that this time. I very simply, I saw the movie much later because I always like to see these movies with my dad and mm-hmm. he'd been out of town and I wanted to make sure that uh, I still got to be, get got to have that experience. So we saw it, I saw a couple weeks later, but when I did see it, of course I messaged Duncan my thoughts the second I left the theater, but that's all we got. We had a couple like trade backs. So right. this is all going to be, you know, very off the cuff, a very, very legitimate and authentic discussion. So I'm looking forward to this. So first let's cover some of our bases. What does what role does Spider-Man Far From Home occupy in the MCU? So can you kind of touch on that? For me, I feel like the way they have done Spider-Man so far in the MCU, he's always like when Homecoming came out, it felt very unique. It didn't feel as con- even though it was very much connected mm-hmm. to everything else, it felt like it was in its own little bubble. It had its own thing going on. This movie is arguably way more connected to the rest of the MCU, but it still like felt like it was its own thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it felt completely different from like a filmmaking perspective than the other movies. It's funny, but not in the same way that like Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok is. It's not as group comedy. Right. right? It's not based on that kind of stuff, but it, it has its own niche while also building a lot of bridges for the future, which I, I liked a lot. I wasn't, because I'll admit, you know, if you listen to our uh, Endgame review, I was a little hard on Endgame, and I think that I was pretty justified in we that. We had to be. Yeah, I was kind of hard on Endgame, and I don't know if I said this in that review, but I wasn't that interested in what was going to come after. Mm-hmm. But now I am, because this movie did a really good job of making me interested. Yeah, Duncan and I have kind of discussed that after Endgame, there's a chance that him and I are not going to be like chomping at the bit to get there there the first weekend you right. know, to see the film. We, of course, as, as lovers of this craft and this content and just this superhero culture, mm-hmm. we, we're going to be checking these movies out, but we may not be right there at the front gates, but... Now we kind of are. Anything that has Spider-Man, I will be. Yes, of course. Well, Spider-Man is an incredibly compelling character. And as far as how this movie plays into the rest of the MCU, this is the first movie, and canonically, that comes after Endgame. This is the very first instance of storyline that we have uh, coming off of Endgame. This is our first peek into a world without Tony Stark, which is a very big deal. Right. So... This movie had a lot to it had a lot to take on. Uh, one, it was the first movie after Endgame, and it's not like no everybody anybody thought it was going to be better than Endgame or that it had to be bigger or more bombastic. But there were certain things plot wise that this movie had to carry. It had to right. convey the sense of, from a, from a uh, civilian's perspective of what it was like to be, you know inside the snap it had in a Mm -hmm. world with in a world where half the half the population is missing we had to address that and it had to be addressed well and it won it was it absolutely was there's a lot of factors of this world um that were addressed um post thanos so that was that was really really interesting and that's something that made this movie really really compelling so even though it wasn't it didn't have the the weight the end game had to carry it had a lot to do. It basically would give us direction for the rest of the MCU for the next phase, because now we get an idea of what the world was like for these civilians. Right. And that was really, really hammered home in the first 15 minutes of the movie, which I thought they handled really, really well. Yeah. I mean, I did too. I still, I will admit, I still am not sure on the logic of why everyone's still in high school. Like they tried to explain it and I don't think they did a very good job, but at the same time I didn't care because at least they tried. They did acknowledge it. It wasn't because I know that some interviewers were asking the cast, like, well, why are you guys still in high school if it's been, you know, multiple years and stuff. The movie addresses all that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was happy about that. It wasn't the biggest deal and it led to interesting outcomes. So I'm glad that they, instead of beating around the bush, they just jumped in. They were like, here's what it's like after Endgame. Boom. 
okay, now we can move on to what's going to happen with Peter. Absolutely, and which is really, really great because as much as I love the idea of moving this universe in a in a forward fashion, sometimes we have to have a break. Sometimes we have to have a proverbial side quest, you know, where right. things aren't as connected when we don't when we when we aren't necessarily as concerned with oh my gosh, this is what the world is like, you know, during the snap, this is how Thanos gets the stones. This is how this is what Thanos does for the stones. This is like the first time where we're not necessarily concerned with Infinity Stones. And it's really, really nice to just kind of have that sidebar and to have what I consider to be a relatively a movie that's not necessarily based in like an astronomical like disaster. You know, right. It, that was one thing. uh my sister, of course, I'm going to reference her real quick because I saw it with her and we talked about it afterwards and shout out to Bridget. And uh, she has on several times mentioned that she liked Homecoming partially because it wasn't this big world ending mm-hmm. threat. It yes. was something smaller. And the threat was obviously way bigger in this movie, but it still wasn't world ending. And I felt like that was a good move up. It's like Spider-Man can handle like one robbery a high-tech robbery and now he's handling a whole city being attacked we're moving up in the world but it makes sense and i like that the the level of conflict was scaled back so much yeah and actually that's a really good transition into the way peter parker is portrayed in far from home so we kind of touch on Peter Parker has been presented how many times in these movies, right? So we have Civil War, Civil War, Homecoming, Infinity, Infinity War, War, kind of Endgame. Kind of Endgame. He really, there really wasn't much to him in Endgame, no. so he was he made an appearance for sure. And so this is our fourth time really interacting. Second real time. Second real lengthy time, you know, interacting with Peter Parker. Now, it's been years now. We have known about Peter Parker and this version of Peter Parker since Civil War. Mm-hmm. So it's been, my God, well over five years, right? Yeah, I think so, you know, yeah. For, uh, since we first got introduced. It makes sense that he needs to progress. Peter Parker absolutely 1,000% right. needs to progress, and he did. This is, in my opinion, the first time we are seeing a fully realized Spider-Man. I agree. I think that the way that they handled his character was very good. It, they they didn't try to change too much. They moved things along. I actually think that this change, and you might hate me for this, was more, it was better done as a little more organic than the way Thor shifts over time. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, Thor had more time, more movies to change, but it was like a lot changed with Peter in this movie and it all felt really good. It, it felt like they got him to a point that he would be recognizable as the Spider-Man that we all kind of expect, who's very competent. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they pulled the rug out from under that, mm-hmm. which we will talk about at length later. Oh, of course. And yeah, so I guess regarding your comparison of Thor, I completely agree. Because one... There's two types of change that can occur within a character in these films. There's the change that results as of a different, or a director's choice in taking the character in a different direction. Right, like Ragnarok. The, like Ragnarok, right? Like that. That Thor is very, very different than the Thors that came, that were, that were written prior to. And then there's the change that comes as the as a result of what the character faces in the movies or in the storyline. Right. Like organic change. Organically. And that's exactly what we got with Peter. And it was it was truly, truly magnificent because we begin to see this struggle between do I want to be an Avenger, right? Because that's all Peter wanted in Homecoming. Right. He wanted, he wanted nothing more than to be an Avenger. And then all of a sudden we are ghosting Nick Fury. Right. You know, we now see that this that for a high school kid, this is a lot. The dude died. The like dude, yeah, he died. He died. Sadly. That's a lot. Yes. Yeah. Very tragically. That's a lot to take on. And I felt like they handled that uh very well. So is there anything else you want to say about kind of because I know we're just kind of vaguely talking yeah. about Peter as a character. Mm-hmm. Are there any other characters you want to talk about? Well, 
Should we get right Should we into just it? jump right Should, into okay, it? Okay, guys. Mysterio. I fucking loved Mysterio. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. There it is. Oh, that's a relief. So, yeah. Mysterio was so good. So, we have a... We can basically turn this into Mysterio podcast if we wanted to because Jesus Christ. I, I stan. Yeah. <laughs> Mysterio was amazing. So... I have to. I, I want to. Let's let's discuss this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We need okay. to we need to break this down. So, what? Wait, hold on. What were your thoughts on Mysterio being announced as the villain? Okay, that's where I was actually going to start. Okay, good. good so, because we had talked about this several times, we had talked about, oh, what's Mysterio going to be like when they announced Mysterio was in it? They didn't say he was the villain. They just said Mysterio's in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they could rewrite his character because technically speaking my first thought is well he's a villain yeah he's a villain he's famous for special effects all this i thought they could do that or they could rewrite him and have him be a neutral character a dr strange-esque character which is what they've done before which is what they've done with other characters so it would not be a big deal but i really wanted him to be a villain i really wanted him to be a deceiver an illusionist all that so I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, okay, he's saying these things. The elementals look pretty real to me. Like, okay. And the second him and Peter were in that bar and all the illusions started to move. Oh my God. I almost jumped out of my seat. I was so excited because I felt like that was the most clever direction to take the character. Pretending that he's something that he's not to get to the probably the best version of that villain we've had oh or at least the most competent yeah i agree so one thing that when mysterio was announced as a villain for me and just because of my relationship with the character prior to well one i was excited i love to see a really classic spider-man villain show up and not and not only that to them not change him too much in terms of his appearance because mysterio you know, his he wears a fishbowl. You know, they could have easily right. done what they did in the Ultimate Universe where they just kind of had him like covered in smoke as opposed right. to like the fishbowl. I like that they went ahead and they owned Mysterio's appearance. but I Because was, it's a performance for that character yeah. like that. But it, I did note, and you probably noticed this, like the when he was not wearing the costume, he still had the fishbowl yes, on. <laughs> exactly. Because it served a purpose. Because it had a purpose, exactly. Which is great. You know, it's, um makes it even better when that appearance matters. He looked really cool like that. It looked that. amazing. And one thing that kind of concerned me, though, was his whole thing, uh, Quentin Beck, his whole situation is that he uses movie effects. Right. Well... You know, back when Mysterio was written, that mattered a lot more because movie effects were could only take you so far. But now in a world where movie effects have t- gone so, so far ahead, mm-hmm. is that really the route they're going to take? So they aged the character very well because right. they went with the illusion thing, but they started using something else that we have in our society, but not necessarily have mastered to the point where we can make it do what Mysterio is doing, which right. is drone technology. The drones and the hologram stuff. Like yeah. To me, one thing I loved about this movie is they start building up a lot of threads, mm-hmm. right? So they start building up the thread with Mysterio and the elementals. They're building up Peter's thread of going on vacation, with his buddies and all that. And then they start weaving in the drones, the glasses, all that. And it was fit together perfectly. Mm -hmm. The drones weren't... The drone strike thing on the bus, when I was watching that, I actually wasn't super fond of that scene. I was like, okay, that's crazy. Peter straight up almost killed a man over this thing. But then the drones came back. And that was a crucial part of the story that made me like that whole thing a lot more. The fact that it fit together like that. And one thing that I thought was really cool was the way the nods to the rewritings of Mysterio that the comic books have done over the years. Right, right. So when they had mentioned in the in the trailer that there is multiple Earths and Mysterio is able to travel between them, that's not necessarily new. Another time Marvel has taken from the Ultimate Universe. And so when Marvel rewrote, essentially rewrote a bunch of a bunch of characters and teams to account for the changes in technology, we call this the Ultimate Universe. Right. 
it was a ch- it was a chance to tell new stories with familiar characters exactly. who had at that point decades of writing behind them that you had to get through to tell something new. Exactly. So what they did though was they didn't pretend that those other stories didn't exist. They right. said that this takes place in a completely different universe and the character that was able to travel between those universes was Mysterio. And it's a really cool concept because Mysterio, you know, he He's a very competent villain, for sure. He was actually capable of beating Spider-Man multiple times um, in the original comics. But giving him that level of responsibility to travel between universes mm-hmm. was crazy. So when they mentioned in the trailer that he's able to travel between universes, I was like, oh, they're going with that Mysterio. Mm-hmm. They're going with dimensional time, time traveler Mysterio interesting choice and i'll be honest that worried me because again i didn't want a big world ending threat i figured if we're getting multiple dimensions involved something and something terrible is about to happen yes but (laughs) so they but the way they did something beautiful they alluded to that rewriting by making that matt mysterio's cover-up right but then went back to classic you know you know dust and illusions mysterio which i thought was just perfect just perfect. Those scenes where he trapped Peter in the illusions looked amazing. Those are some of the coolest looking scenes in any Marvel movie. Like so they, let's discuss that actually, because those scenes so are so compelling. Right. These are types of scenes that you would expect to come out of a Doctor Strange movie. Right. That's what I, that was what I was thinking. It, it it felt very different from the type of stuff we were seeing in Homecoming, which is pretty grounded, mm-hmm. I would call it. This was not, and I loved it for it because I think when Doctor Strange came out, you know, our opinions were maybe a little different because especially you were such a huge fan of the character. Mm-hmm. I was familiar with the character. That was a very different looking movie for yes. Marvel and people liked it. Mm-hmm. People liked the way it looked and I'm glad that they're embracing that different, more... uh out there sort of look because those are some of the best looking scenes in this movie yeah i think that those scenes are also uh what really put in perspective what makes mysterio so powerful right because mysterio is no scrub no this dude was insanely competent yeah mysterio is was has always been even in the writings of uh rewritings of the character like way back when he was first introduced was capable of beating spider-man multiple times and this guy was capable of doing it Ultimately, once he had gotten rid of his team by himself, you could tell that Mysterio, you know, he's not just not he's not just like the man behind the curtain. This guy is capable. This is his superpower. Right. It's another instance of I think when you look at it like Tony Stark's perspective. Right. I always say this. The hero wasn't in Tony Stark's case. The hero wasn't Iron Man. The hero was Tony Stark. Right. This is the situation here. The Mysterio is not the hero. It's the brain of Beck. Right. You know, because only he could control everything in the manner that he did to defeat Peter Parker multiple times. Right. He was super competent. That was one thing I actually, so when Civil War came out, we gushed over Zemo because we had a guy who had no powers and he just used his understanding of what the Avengers were like and what situations they were facing to make them fight each other, which worked. He, he, for all intents and purposes, he defeated them, even if he got captured. That's how Mysterio felt to me. He has no superpowers. He's just really smart. He's got some technology, and he, he clearly understands Peter. Yes. Because he was able to manipulate him, even without illusions, just talking to him. He had this extremely manipulative personality or like the stuff he showed him in the illusions. Like when he made him look at Tony's grave. Yeah. Like a knife in the heart. That was rough. (laughs) Exactly. But it's it's like he thought of that. He -hmm. was clever enough to think, okay, this is something that is a soft spot for this character emotionally. I can uh, strike at that. Absolutely. It made him feel like an extremely well-crafted, intelligent, genuinely intelligent villain. I think that what's becoming, and Mysterio is kind of hammering home uh, a trend that I feel like I am starting to find with my favorite villains in the MCU. My favorite villains seem to not have powers. Right. 
you know obviously we love thanos oh yeah thanos know? is but thanos is awesome, thanos but... was an exception we love thanos not because of what he was capable of but the way that he was right and like just like the emotional awareness that we had of that character normally we don't get to go that far deep into a character psyche that's why we love thanos right but when it comes down to it my favorite uh, and we'll discuss this at length i'm sure in another episode but my favorite characters, Ultron, Zemo, Mysterio, um, even in outside the MCU, looking at like the comic books, Craven the Hunter, right. are the characters without powers because they have to because it's they have this level of understanding of the people that they're fighting that mm-hmm. allows them to become that powerful. And think about it with technology, this dude was was confident that not only was he going to be able to level a city with just drones. And outsmart Nick Fury. Everyone. Which, yeah, which isn't easy, by the way. Like, right. outsmarting Nick Fury. Like, we, we he is well-established as pretty much, like, one of, like, you know, you know, the baddest mother trucker, like, that you could possibly see in, like, in, in the MCU. This guy knows everything, and he was right. able to outsmart it. So once you get past Nick Fury, who's your next line of defense? You know? And it being Peter Parker was a really, really interesting and compelling perspective. Right. Um, I think that that was really, really awesome. Mysterio was great. But you know who I also loved? Who? I loved Happy. Yeah. So I, I do, obviously, like, we, we wanted to gush about Mysterio. Yeah. And we wanted to talk about Peter. But I definitely want to talk about the other characters. And I think Happy's the best place to start. Yes. Happy's really interesting to me because on, on two levels. There's the in-universe level and the meta level. Mm-hmm. John... Favreau? John Favreau. Yes. Favreau. I can't pronounce. I'm. I'm always like nervous about I'm pronouncing his name. I'm kind of a Favreau fan myself. He's so, a yeah. very talented yeah. director, mm-hmm. but I mean, he started the MCU. Yes, he started the MCU. <laughs> yes, did. in a meta level, uh-huh. and he's in it. Mm-hmm. So he has always occupied this space where he's not that important, but he is yes. like, he's always there. He's just kind of like a building block. And the fact that we got to spend so much time with him was awesome. And I love that they gave him the little romance with aunt May yes. that didn't work out because that was awesome. Like him giving his little perspective on it versus her. That was a cool scene. That was a very funny scene. And it made me like his character a lot. Yeah, I think that what uh, it really also kind of developed the character a little bit because yeah. last time we saw uh, Happy at an extensive level um, was in Homecoming, right? And he was kind of a hard ass, right? He was. And I, what I was and what now what we kind of see is that there was a reason for the way that he was. He kind of explained his relationship with Peter with uh, Tony Stark more at length. And in right. turn, his relationship with Nick Fury, does he happy wears a lot of hats, and we kind of see why he why he was standoffish in Homecoming. We're not right. seeing a change in character. We're delving more into him. Right. He's definitely an interesting character, and there were lots of really cool moments, like when they were on the plane together, and Peter was designing his new suit, mm-hmm. and he was just sitting there. He was doing. Very Tony Stark-esque things. Which is probably my favorite moment in the entire Which movie. was extremely cool. And you see Happy, and he, like, Happy recognizes that. Yeah. That that's what's happening. That was a cool moment. And John Favreau was really good acting-wise. Oh, which, I mean, was... he's also a talented actor. But I felt like this was easily his best performance in the MCU. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think also, like, when people were criticizing Endgame, there was one moment that I kind of felt like a, a was a common point of criticism was that last line of dialogue that Jon Favreau had when he was talking to Tony Stark's daughter mm-hmm. when he said that your dad loved cheeseburgers and people were saying, well, that came out of nowhere, yada, yada, yada. Like, no, well, one, it didn't come out of nowhere. That line means actually a lot to Happy in general because cheeseburgers were mentioned pretty frequently in the first two Iron Man right. films with Happy with present. Happy, yeah. And so... One, don't diss on the man that basically gave us the MCU. But like, right? Uh, but John Favreau and Happy as a whole, I keep on referring to him as John Favreau simply because I love him and almost everything he does, right? And everything he directs. But it really shows that he could have very easily made Happy really goofy, kind of like a, right, like right. a goofy assistant sidekick sort of thing, like, like he is in the comics. Like he the is dude's the com- name is Happy. Yes. 
but he has a role and it's really, really important. And it kind of shows, I love the interaction you had with Peter when he was behind the scenes over at Aunt May's like gathering of yeah. sorts. And it's like, don't you don't ghost Nick Fury. Like you can't ghost Nick right. Fury. I thought that that was really, really cool. I thought that that was really, really interesting. I absolutely loved Happy in this film and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. I'm sure that there will be a lot involving him with whatever happens with Spider-Man next. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Since the two of them have this bond. Yes. So let's go ahead and get into, I think, probably what is another major point. And this is something that can... that This is a, this is a, a facet of Spider-Man movies that can really make or break it. You know, the romance between Peter Parker and whoever it is, be right. it Mary Jane... Gwen Stacy, or in this case, MJ. Right. This can be really rough. We've seen it go not so well, and right. it has really damaged Spider-Man films. Um, <laughs> so what are your thoughts on the relationship between MJ and Peter Parker? First, I just want to say that the best relationship in this movie was Ned's. <laughs> that, <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. I couldn't even believe how funny and well-written that, that was. That was so good. That actor, I think his name's Jacob uh, Talon. He is insanely talented. But that was just, that was going on. But we also had the relationship with Peter and MJ. And well, it's cool because it was kind of like a point of reference. Right? right, exactly. It's like you had the very odd, stereotypical, jokey joke time with Ned. And then you had serious time with Peter and MJ. And it still had some jokes. The whole movie yeah. did. But I. As a Spider Man movie should. As a Spider Man movie should, exactly. When Homecoming came out, I loved it, obviously. Yeah, that was a but strong film. One part that maybe I wasn't as strong on was I love Zendaya. I think she's super talented. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure about how they wrote that character though. Like they clearly wanted somebody who was very like quirky and kind of unusual. And in homecoming, I don't know if they always nailed that the right way. There no. were scenes with her that felt awkward. A little forced. Forced is the best word. You're mm -hmm. right. For, that, that felt a little forced. In this movie, I think they fixed that. I felt like they understood her character a lot better. She came off as quirky, but not weird or forced. And I genuinely liked their relationship. I was, if, if it had been the MJ from Homecoming, maybe I wouldn't have liked it as yeah. much. But because she was so much more interesting this time around, I, I dug it a lot. Yeah. I think it's what's really great is because that relationship with, with MJ is what reminds us, and I think what makes Tom Holland such a compelling Spider-Man, reminds us that he's in high school. Right. You know? They definitely do a good job of capturing that these characters are young. Because that's... that's uh, the young romance is one of the most difficult things to nail down in a, in a movie like for this. adult writers. Yeah, for adult writers, it's almost as if it's been a long time since they were children. Um, but when it comes down to it, this was the only thing that's going to tie us to Peter Parker being a high schooler because right. they're not in school right now; they're on a trip. Right. You know, they're out in Europe with their hilarious teachers. Their hilarious but... teachers were amazing. But that was that was it. You're right. The yeah. the tie to all of that was MJ. Was MJ, and they I think they absolutely nailed it. Yeah. I think they did a really, really, really great job, and I loved MJ the more I saw her. Right. She was an, a genuinely awesome character. Like the scenes of her during the kind of carnage and destruction and all that were awesome. Like she was taking initiative and doing all this stuff. It was really fun to watch. She picked up that like mace. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, exactly. Which is great because every character has to progress to a degree. Sometimes right. you have to have what I call your point of reference characters, like characters that need to remain constant, i.e. like Ned. Right. For example, Ned has to be steadfast. But certain right. characters have He's to... He's the Samwise Gamgee. Yes, <laughs> yes. So sometimes we have to make sure that um, certain characters progress with our protagonist. And Zendaya's character, MJ, was the perfect choice. Mm -hmm. uh, she was awesome. I thought the portrayal, the way of, uh, of her finding out that he is Spider-Man. But also, like... You know, on the surface, she was incredibly calm, but clearly she wasn't completely down with it. Right, right. Because she was in danger. And this also highlighted 
why superheroes conceal have, their identities have secret identities yeah yes, this is this is it and that's the big thing one big of uh, there's a lot of things that are really, really important to Peter Parker that I think they finally fleshed out. I think that after this movie, they really nailed everything down mm-hmm. because there's a couple of things that I think are specific to Spider-Man mm-hmm. that need to stay that way. First off, you've got, obviously, it's his powers. Can he climb on walls? Can he sling webs? Absolutely. That's of a course. big, important thing. Other important factors. Why does he, how did he get his powers? You know, which they, you know, they allude to, they don't really, they don't, they, we, we know that story. They didn't need to retell it. Right. But the other big thing is that we don't touch on with Peter that we actually got on his spider sense, which we finally saw that facet of his powers, a right. big part of his powers, because it was the reason he was able to overcome Mysterio. Right. Which was very cool. Very clever. But the one thing that we don't touch on enough with Spider-Man is... Why he remains a secret identity. Exactly. That's the big thing that we don't touch on with superheroes all that much. We no. obviously know that they need to remain. They re, they need to remain. But every single time you read a Spider-Man comic or watch a Spider-Man movie, why do you conceal your identity? Because the people that know me will get hurt. And right. that was what they covered. Well, one thing about it, because you're 100% right, is like, for instance, when I read the Civil War comic, Mm-hmm. The one there were things I didn't like about it, and one of the things I didn't like was that Peter reveals his identity, yeah. because that seems out of character. Because out of all the characters that Marvel has, he has a lot to lose. He's got a lot of powerless people in his life. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's Reed Richards and his wife's also a superhero and his kids have superpowers. Like in the MCU, it kind of just so happens that the characters they picked don't really need secret identities. Yes. Yeah. Because we all know, uh, you especially know, Thor used to have a secret identity. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't necessary. And they got rid of that in the comics. And they didn't It was even... probably one of the least compelling factors right. of Thor's writing. It wasn't that good. So Thor doesn't need a secret identity. Iron Man definitely wouldn't want a secret He didn't want a secret identity. Yeah. Captain America can't maintain one. It's like, this was our chance. That's such a, an important part of the superhero mythology, that keeping your identity a secret to protect others idea. And the MCU finally sunk its teeth into it in a really compelling way with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that other facet that I mentioned of Peter Parker's identity that, we, uh, that this movie finally, I think, nailed down. The Peter Chingle. Uh-huh. So, or the Spidey sense, as I'm, I'm, I'm going to refer to it right. as, 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 as. I'm our, not calling it anything but the Spidey sense. Yeah, the Spidey sense is probably Peter Parker would rather we call it. He the would Spidey want sense. us to call it the Spidey sense. So that's one thing that we thought was really interesting because there's a lot of this. The MCU does a really good job with Spider-Man because it really does catch all of it. Um, Spider-Man's a really well-rounded uh, superhero, and they catch a lot of his facets. We know right. that he's got super strength because we saw him, like, you know, hold up an entire tower with just his webs. Right. We know that he can sling webs. We know that he's incredibly agile and quick. That all is very well captured. Mm-hmm. But they never really did the Spidey sense all that much. They did it subtly, i.e. when he was dying, essentially. Right. And he was more aware of it than others were. But they did a really good job of making this the focal point of his powers. Right. And essentially, it kind of needs to be because how else would he have that sort of agility? And how else would reaction time and all that? How else would he know where crime is happening? Right. You know, this is a really important part of his powers. And the fact that they used it to defeat Mysterio and the fact that he was able to harness this power Mm -hmm. to the fullest of the extent, it's like he was going Super Saiyan. I know. Well, no, no. It made me think I was like, he's reacting without thinking. It's ultra instinct. Yes. <laughs> like, he's going ultra instinct. Um, that was really clever. Like the fact that it was brought up and then built up and then it led to being important because that's one thing. If you're going to bring something up in a movie, it should be important. Mm-hmm. Like bringing up Surtur in Ragnarok would have been lame if he hadn't come back at the end. Yes. Right. You got to build things up for a reason. And this was a great example of that. Like, I was so excited when he was using the spider sense and he was just dodging the illusions and all that. That looked really cool. And it kind of completed the package. Here's Spider-Man. It was exactly like what we were saying earlier, that this is where we got the, like, complete Spider-Man. Yes. And that's going to be really, really important, you know, going forward for the MCU because... 
and we'll discuss kind of what I think what this means for the future of the MCU in a second because this is the MCU the MCU changes with every movie right and that's um, we'll discuss that in a, in, a, in a minute one thing I do want to discuss is the because we like that we highlighted certain characters relationship mm-hmm. with these characters these powers how do we highlight like so we'll kind of go in the reverse here I know we normally discuss at the beginning the movie as a whole so plot wise lengthwise like how did the movie turn out good yes no the movie was absolutely <laughs> awesome i, the movie I liked was, it a lot it was incredibly well paced one thing that i think that makes um, that's really important for me in a movie um is the constant change of setting mm-hmm. i don't really i don't necessarily love movies where we stay in one place for too long and the fact that we were able to go to completely different cities in europe made it really really cool right. for me that was a very cool framing mechanism they're on a school trip they're going to be moving locations I love that. It was an it was a good way to get Peter into the action. It was provided a lot of comedy. Like there was a lot to it. I I agree. Pacing is very crucial. I hate feeling bored during a movie. Yeah, like and uh, I wasn't bored at all during this movie. I a, thought the pacing was great. A great example of this, I think, would be going out of our superhero realm, Empire Strikes Back, right. Star Wars. Really great example of starting off on Hoth. And ending up where they were, they end up on where Bespin. Bespin, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we had all sorts of different environments. I love it when we're taken to different places. Sometimes with the MCU, um, we have a tendency to kind of stay in one area. Mm. Um, It's not a huge issue. Um, I don't think to me that doesn't really affect the pacing. No, well, for for me, it's kind of it kind of keeps the movie along, keeps the movie going along to a degree. And when the MCU does stay in one place, they normally supplement that with an addition of characters or right. the addition of like a new like power or a level of understanding of your environment. Mm-hmm. What was cool though is they did they did well, I think the most effective version of this, which is just change your environment, change your scenery, change your setting. This kept mm-hmm. the pacing really really nice. We constantly saw this progression of Peter Parker. We saw him constantly get beaten up. We had our awesome rule of three, where I think mm-hmm. he got he got he got his ass whipped like multiple times, and then like yeah. or twice major by Mysterio, and then the very last time he wins. He, he wins. Um, and sort uh, of. Yeah, yeah, sort of. And we'll discuss the uh, that last scene for the sure. Last two scenes. Yeah. So pacing wise, I absolutely loved it. I didn't see any issues with pacing. I saw no issues with acting. Nope. Um, there was. I still hate the guy who. Pl- or that's rude. I hate the character of Flash Thompson in this. I, yes. I, okay. Yes. I, let's bring I that up. I <laughs> find him. So I have so few complaints about this movie, yes. but he's one of the complaints that I had about Homecoming coming back. He in the comics, he's the jock, right? Mm-hmm. He's the jock. He bullies Peter because Peter's a dork. But he secretly, he loves Spider-Man. He doesn't know this whole thing. Okay, whatever. But in this movie, he's not, or in these movies, he's not a jock. He's, what is he? He's just random rich guy. What's, the, I don't get the angle. And his the stuff he says is so annoying. And it's like, I know they're trying to make him a dick, but. That's one. Th- I don't, I don't get it. That's one thing that I think think that kind of takes us out of it the mcu really does try to drive home this is what superheroes would kind of be like in our in our world um to a degree it's a little you know obviously you suspend some disbelief it's not like it's a movie (laughs) yeah but one thing is you kind of rely on peter parker because he's us peter parker is probably the most compelling superhero out there because he is us you know he's right that's what stan lee said he's relatable and Flashed. That being said, wouldn't our adversaries in school also kind of like be the ones that we would relate to as well? I mean, I don't want to speak out of ignorance here, but at the same time, I don't feel like Flash Thompson making fun of Peter Parker because he doesn't have money is normal why aren't his classmates bouncing on flash like uh, yeah like like right like so think about this it's right? weird it's weirdly written i did think that the whole thing with him live streaming everything was funny because yes. i hate it when people constantly go live on instagram yes. oh, so I've i never definitely, turned into a live video oh exactly i definitely when he kept saying that i was like oh my god he's that guy that's pretty funny i yeah. like that 
But again, I don't get the angle. Yeah, because like, why wouldn't his classmates quote unquote cancel him for for making fun of Peter Parker's socioeconomic <laughs> status? Know. He makes right? fun of a dude's socioeconomic status. Yeah, and calls yeah, well, him Penis Parker. Like that we don't. Re- that, that's, that's no one would think that was funny in real yeah. life. Nobody would actually be like, "Whoa, Flash!" He just put the burn on Peter or whatever. No one would actually like that. So even though we were praising the adult writers for writing kids, I actually do think that they screwed up. Yeah. They really, they really uh, screwed with us, screwed us with flash Thompson. He did have a cool role in the movie and that he he did his annoying live streaming at the very end of the day was what, Right, which was yeah. funny. Yeah, was was what what. But saved he us. wasn't funny. But he wasn't funny. No, Flash Thompson. He was Flash annoying. Thompson kind of sucked. That's that's one thing. Again, we don't have a lot of criticisms, and normally we can kind of go in depth as to like move things we didn't like. To me, it's kind of limited <laughs> to that. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this film. Let's discuss. I think because this ties into our last thing. The future of the MCU, but first, of course, we, we have to, to discuss the the post credit scene. I'm gonna dis. I want to just do something real quick. I oh. want to discuss the second post credit scene first because we were just talking about dislikes. That was a dislike for I me. About it. So in the second post credit scene, yeah, we see that the Nick Fury and Mariah Hill in this movie were actually actually scrolls, and the real Nick Fury was on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. That to me felt completely like they filmed that. They had that idea after the movie's done. Yeah. Like it does not feel at all like they wrote this movie knowing that they, oh, they're secretly scrolls. Like that felt like a tacked on thing and it doesn't feel like it serves any purpose. It kind of worries me for the future of the MCU. A little bit. Yeah. Because, um, so clearly we're going in the direction of like our secret wars sort of thing. That's a lot. Uh, it's it's tough for me um, because the scrolls are are very hit or miss for me. Always have been in the comics, in <laughs> in, uh, in Captain Marvel. Yeah, it was. Um, it's interesting. I'm not going to say. Listen, I will say. I don't want to put my foot in my mouth here and say I hate it. This is a bad idea because I'll tell you. And the reason why is because I've put my foot in my mouth before when it comes to the MCU and I'm not about to do it again. Right. I saw it on my Facebook memories the other day when I famously said, I love doc. And this was years and years ago. Obviously I love Dr. Strange, but I am not excited to see Benedict Cumberbatch play Dr. Strange. Right. What a you, terrible you, choice. You ate those words. I oh, ate yeah, those we've words. All done that. No, yeah. no, this is the reason I, <laughs> Cause, this cause is, I clearly, I disagree now. I'm not going to put, I'm not going to do that. The reason I, I have a very legitimate reason why I think that was a terrible decision. And it doesn't actually have to do with the future of the MCU and then bringing in more cosmic elements. Cause you know, people were like, what if Galactus is the next vil- main villain or Kang the Conqueror? Yeah. It's it the, better not be. Yeah, no, it's but, the obvious choice, right? Cause who's bigger than Thanos, right? You right. Galact- but the, the reason I didn't like it was to me, it undercut parts of far from home where, we had Nick Fury, who's known Tony for a long time. He was kind of there talking to Peter, helping Peter come on in this role. And then it was like, LOL, that wasn't Nick Fury. Yeah, Ha-ha. It, it undermines the whole thing because it <laughs> one, not only does it undermine, you know, all of Peter's interactions, it undermines the effectiveness of Mysterio as a villain because if Mysterio can outsmart Nick Fury clearly right. he's an incredibly powerful villain but now that that wasn't nick fury was mysterio really all that effective i mean yes he clearly right. was i think he like, was but but it, it does it does kind of take you out of it a little bit right it took me out of it it definitely wasn't what i was because i was so thrilled with the first end credit scene that when i saw that i was kind of immediately my head was thinking oh okay so all of those great conversations between peter and nick like that was just some random alien. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a random alien. It was, uh, what was his name from is Talos yeah. from Captain Marvel. I do love who him. was a very smart guy. And Ben Mendelsohn is awesome. I but. love, I, I will say as you, you, you know, my thoughts on that movie and you know, my thoughts on the scrolls relationship in that movie. Right. Talos was awesome. <laughs> he really was. 
But we got to talk about the, what the I, actual the, the end, real credit end credit scene. Oh, my God. That was perfect. It was so amazing. It was like, so perfect. I mean, okay. That's what cemented Mysterio as one of the best villains in the whole MCU. The fact that, kind of like Zemo, where it didn't matter that they beat Zemo. The damage had already been done. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter that they beat Mysterio. He has still had one last trick up his sleeve, and it was a doozy. Yeah, Mysterio, what was great was that when villains do that, it means that their goals are bigger than themselves. Right. And Mysterio's goal to kind of like to create this 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 character for them, or portray Peter Parker in a certain way was bigger than his goal. Like his, his, his mission didn't die with him. He was able to keep it going. Right. Which I think is incredible. And of course... We had the the introduction of probably one of the most iconic Spider-Man oh. characters of all time, and and it was I was definitely curious as to why they didn't put him in the earlier films, but now I get it because right. they put him in at the right time. Good old J. Jonah oh. Jameson. They brought him in, and he's Alex Jones now. Yes. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. Like, no longer is the Daily Bugle a newspaper. It's not like a reputable news source. Yeah, it's a website, and immediately I was like. Oh, they made him Alex Jones. They made him Alex Jones. The Daily Bugle is InfoWars.com. Yes, which is amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, did you take note? I mean, I'm sure you know of who was playing James Oh, Jonah of Jameson. course. Heck yeah, you did. I couldn't <laughs> even believe it. When I saw his face, I almost fell out of my chair. I couldn't even believe that. I uh, Now, remember, it, it was earlier this summer summer when I was just cleaning the house and FX plays superhero movies yeah. all, you know, oh, all yeah. the time. And so I normally just have that going. And they were playing the first Spider-Man movie. And I was watching it as I was just like, you know, and of course, with the first, the very first, when I say first Spider-Man movie, I'm talking Toby. Right. And No, we're not talking about Amazing Spider-Man here. And um, with this, it's really interesting because I was watching it and, you know, that movie's got its flaws. Yeah. You know, it's chock full of them. J. Jonah Jameson Jonah is not, not one of them. And I, was, I texted Duncan earlier this summer saying, was it J.K. Simmons, right? Yeah. His portrayal of J. Jonah Jameson is probably the best portrayal of any character in that entire franchise. Pretty much. So I was thinking, so, you know, you wonder, it makes it makes me go, oh my God, I was right because there was nobody better to play J. Jonah Jameson because they yeah. got him again. They, they could not, they could <laughs> they not couldn't. actually find somebody better. So but, they just got him to like, why broke, why fix something that ain't broke? Exactly. It's truly, yeah. It's truly amazing to see him as a character. Um, I hope there. he's. I hope that that wasn't just a cameo, and that that was leading into he's going to be at least a minor character in the whatever comes next. Well, that's another big thing of Peter Parker that we address, right? There's a mm. lot of facets of that character, and another one is that Peter Parker or Spider-Man is constantly battling with his trust with the pub- general public. Right. That's another big thing. That's a bat- very Batman-esque, you know, trait. And that's another thing that I hope that they introduce that Peter Parker has to constantly try to prove his trust with the rest of the public, and especially now that somebody who is constantly at the forefront uh, Tony Stark is no longer there to vouch right. for him. How is he going to do that? Which right. is really cool. And I think that also J. Jonah Jameson being such an outlandish um, character, such a character that isn't grounded at all, making him an Alex Jones type character is really, really... Mm-hmm. He's always been an outlandish yeah. character, to be fair. Oh, no, absolutely. And But that but the, making putting an out, a character that outlandish in this movie will allow it to keep its sort of relatively innocent comic book-esque right. vibe going. It makes you believe that they're probably not going to go, thankfully, a Batman v. Superman, super, super dark route. No, they're well, not going to... Even the darkest movies in the MCU, they're not even... They're not capable of being that dark. Yeah. Well, or, or even, like, they're not going to try to make it, like, I would say, a Civil War right. or, a, or a Winter Soldier. I, I don't know. I don't think, you know, we talked a lot about building up to the complete Spider-Man. Yeah. I actually don't think they're going to keep that. I think that building up to the complete Spider-Man was a fake out, pretty much, because... They already said that they're going to do a Spider-Man story that we've never seen before. 
Which is good. Which yeah. is interesting. I'm super excited. I wouldn't be surprised if they took things in a Civil War-esque direction. Really? Because honestly, like, think about what just happened. It's not like he accused him of stealing his lunch money. He accused him of attacking a major city and trying to kill millions of people. Yes. Like, Mysterio's, uh, like, accusations, or what Mysterio said, it wasn't some simple thing. It wasn't Spider-Man's a bad guy. It was heavy. It was Spider-Man has taken your greatest hero's technology and then just tried to blow up London. So, I don't know if there's a fun comic book friendly way to resolve a story you're, like you're that. right you're right <laughs> but no. i mean there might be yeah there I, could be the, the mcu has done a really really cool uh has really done an effective way of um of tackling those sorts of things yeah you know um there were like for example uh is there a fun comic book way to destroy asgard yes there is turns out there is <laughs> yes. yes um so you know there's a variety of routes it could go and I, now that I think that they've really established what I consider to be kind of a com- a more complete Spider-Man, now that Spider-Man is, I think, definitively, at least in the audience's eyes, a hero, mm-hmm. you know, that he can rely on himself and not be in the shadow of Tony Stark. Obviously, the general public in the movies is going to be different. But the way he, um, the way we view him, he's a hero to us mm-hmm. and a complete hero. We're really beginning to flesh flesh out this next wave of characters. Right. Which I think is important. Spider-Man is now officially fully like a main hero in the MCU. So that remains to be seen. Who do we got left, right? So who's our next cast, right? We've got... Well, which movie's coming out next? We've got... Um, oh, gee, what movie is coming out I next? actually don't know. No, it's probably one of the... Um, I think... Oh my god, it might be one of the Hall H ones. We're bad fans, guys. We're um, bad fans. We're bad fans. Yeah, but so we feel, think about this. Well, think about who we still got, right? Right. We got Thor, who's still right. present in the MCU. We've got um, Spider-Man, where we've got the Guardians. We know that the, probably the Guardians is, pro- is still being written and stuff like that right. uh, by James Gunn. Um, we got Doctor Strange. So think about this. Think about with who we started with. Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, Iron Man, all those guys, right? And now we've got Spider-Man, Thor, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange. We've completely almost phased out the old guys, but yet it still seems our cast of characters is strong. Right. Which is I, awesome. I think that we're at a good place because I feel like now that we've gotten Peter up to hero status yes everyone's pretty much there everybody's pretty much there i think we, peter was the only one that had to get caught up right so now we they can just explore different stories and yeah. honestly i don't want you know people were saying galactus kang any number of other high profile villains i don't want to see anything like that i literally just want to see these characters in their own movies for a little while at yeah. least you know we have it's going to take i think that depending on Maybe the way that they introduced it was kind of like not was not as effective, but kind of slowly but surely alluding to that there is a larger a larger threat in the form of like you know the, a secret war sort of situation right. is good because that's what we did with Thanos. It, right. it took us forever just to get into a just to get into Thanos territory. Right. So I'm thinking that this was a good way to kind of just like slowly phase that sort of stuff in. I'm excited to see kind of. Each of these characters get their own spotlight, and it looks like that's what's happening. Right. I want. I want to see. I especially am excited because I am obviously going to have to watch these shows because I've always been a huge Scarlet Witch fan. I want to see her and Vision. I want to see what happens with Thor. Obviously, <laughs> I definitely want to see what happens now that Padme Amidala's coming back. Uh, I have some serious thoughts um, on that. So we'll that'll be a different that. podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with each of these characters just as individuals. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think it's about time for us to get to our official Bearded and Nerdy review, our, our, our rating system. So, Duncan, what do you think? Where does this movie place now? Okay, and now this is important when we discuss this because when we rank this movie, because I'm gonna give it a, 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 I'm gonna give it a pretty high ranking here. Obviously, this doesn't make it my favorite MCU film, right? But it definitely, 
there's what we we right now what we're doing is we're measuring what perceived object sounds so stupid perceived objective quality right right what we we're giving it a rating yes (laughs) (laughs) right not just a rating in our hearts though what we think objectively is right yeah there's no such thing as that though i know i know but we're trying okay so duncan oh you want me to go first i want you to go first 9.5 9 out out of of 10 9 out of 10 i think that this is this movie to me the this makes the this one so we can agree on a 9.25 out of 10 Theoretically, yes. Theoretically, yes. I'm not good at math. Okay. Well, it's like, you know, in between our two numbers, right? You mm-hmm. got a 9.5, you got a 9. Bec- uh, for me, this is um, the hi- this tied for the highest rating that I've given a movie on this podcast. The uh, Because the highest rating I gave to was Spider-Verse up until this point. So right now, Spider-Verse and Spider-Man Far From Home um, are tied for my highest rating, but Duncan's rating pushed it up another 0.25. I will say I would probably watch this movie over Spider-Verse, but I would have to do some a lot of thinking before I say that I it is a uh, it's it's better. It's so different, it would be very hard for me to compare them. Yeah. You know what though? There's been enough Spider-Man movies. Let's do a Spider-Man move a Spider-Man podcast at some point. Yeah, we should definitely rank all Spider-Man movies. Oh yeah, that's that's good. That's good. But before we get into that, I think it's about time we wrap things up. Yeah. Duncan's got a D and D session to get to. I do. All right, guys. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. All right. Uh, Thanks you, for having me. You can find me on Instagram at bearded underscore and underscore nerdy. Um, that's on Instagram. Uh, I will be where you can follow all of my adventures into this sort of thing. Um, I'm going to try to get this up before I go to Tampa Bay Comic Con, so keep on the lookout for my gatherings there. All right, everybody. See you next time. Peace.